We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. And we're back <laughs> after months. You said it like you're in a coma. I was like, is he going to be able to pull out of it? Are words coming? <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel extra tired today. We just got back from like an overnight at a friend's house and Aaron, I've been watching him just slowly shut down his yeah. nine self. <laughs> I'm empty. fading quickly. I twisted my ankle. The air was thin up there. <laughs> the air, it was a mountain, so... There is some elevation, but I don't think it's some that. Ele- I don't no. think it's that much elevation. Okay, Ryan said thirty six. What are we at though currently? So you got to do the difference. It's not just what sea that. level. <laughs> not at sea level. It was noticeably Your different. Self just I like, did I way more exercise than you, so I would know. Huh? You went on one ten minute walk. <laughs> I was in the where you did kids. zero minutes walking. So. I was I was juggling four toddlers at the same time. That feels like that's equally. mentally exhausting, but not physically. <laughs> no, I got jumped on a lot. Anyways, anyways, um, yeah. So we took a long break from podcasting. I feel like we took a long break from life, <laughs> from our normal, yeah, from our normal, yeah. Because uh, well, it's so I got the airport job in May, mm-hmm. and then um, training for June, and it. It was, it's only 10 hours a week, theoretically, but theoretically, if you take off time to travel, you can't give your shifts away. No one wants extra shifts. So it's like, if I took off a week to travel, then that means those 10 hours go to the other weeks. So it was more like 15 hours a week. And then it was like early morning. So then I'd be tired. So it's a big footprint on our life. Going down earlier in the night, the nights before. So we didn't really like gain, it didn't have the nights totally back yeah either. so I, even though i was not working i wasn't use my useful right. self but it's funny because i think i don't know even just me looking back on the season like so i've quit i quit yeah. in january we knew that we needed to we decided in december but we had some trips lined up but it's funny because initially i felt like a lot of like honestly shame around like i failed i i did this thing and it blew up our lives and then like i just felt honestly i felt the lord challenged me to like to stop using the term i like dramaticness anyways so blew up our lives but that's not accurate no. of what it did and then i realized too like it, it actually was a bit of insight it wasn't me just being funny and dramatic it was an insight into my mentality of almost like dualistic like i was like i failed by doing this this was irresponsible for me to take this job but that's actually just not true yeah. I was, it's like i tried it and i'd say that like we actually all benefited from it like yeah my us like you me the kids but then also my family like i saw my mom my dad and my brother and they saw each other more than we've ever had ever since we lived together right like in a six month period we saw my mom like four or five times there was a unique benefit that it brought to us for that season and saved it you know yeah but it also was a unique cost and we were willing to pay it for a time and we just got to a point where like oh no the cost outweighs the benefits and that was the point we decided. It was also the shortest amount of time you've ever had a job. So you felt. Oh, so much shame. So much shame around that. Because like, Jenna is super, re- if you don't know her, she's super responsible and um, and the best employee that anyone would ever ask for. And best coworker, as many people pointed out. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sad that you're leaving. I feel uncomfortable as you're saying this. Well, Do you know? That, is that why you're doing it? 
No, I'm just, well, I'm, I just want people to understand. Okay. That's yeah. funny. I don't know. It's interesting that that reaction, but yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I feel, I feel my mentality about quitting and the season there is different now. I'm like, okay, it's not black or white. It's not bad idea. Good idea. It's, mm-hmm. there were some that like, we actually got a lot of benefits while I was doing it. And now that season's done and it's a new right. season. And yeah. So that being said, things like exercise and a lot of normal, like extras of life didn't happen. And including podcast. Cause Oh my gosh, we recorded a couple of guys while I was working a podcast while I was working at the airport. And one of them, I was falling asleep in. Do you remember? Like oh, they yeah. called me. I was like, so I was trying to pinch my leg underneath yeah, the table. You, Cause I was like, it's not the content. It's just, you I'm not used 100%, to staying up asleep. I saw your eyes close. <laughs> While I was, t- I think I, while I was talking, I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. I woke up at 4am for months and months. So anyways, yeah, now we have more of capacity to do the things. And which right. includes the So podcast. some of the other changes that happen in the, like we, Gosh, have January deci- was like a whiplash month of it changes. It was nuts. So we had our tenant move out of our rental. We decided to furnish the, it and turn it into, um, it's still, it's shorter term, but it's still long-term rental, like over a month, um, minimum and it's the first our rental house is the first house we owned when we bought the second house we kept it yeah which was a sacrifice it was actually i mean just speaking frankly it was hard because the house we moved into we had done all the cool things to the first house yeah, and then knowing made it that our own and made it really cool looking and the kitchen you know things were renovated and painted and right all the spots we would have wanted to change we had changed and then moving into this house we weren't going to be if we kept the other one we weren't couldn't afford to do to renovate the kitchen or even if it was low right. level it was we, like we did quite a bit still mm-hmm. but the the kitchen definitely needed a lot more work than we had money to do it was good though for me i think you're better at it but like long-term remembering like okay this is actually an investment and like mm. i just self-talk like a don't just take the equity from the first house like think of it as an investment and like long-term gratification rather than short-term mm. i live in a house with a cool kitchen like nope Right. This so you're saying instead of, of selling the first house and using the money from, you know, the, equity, the game. Yeah. The, yeah. To then fix up the next house. It was like, nope, I'd rather be able to make rental income and I'm better at a, that because if we moved in and it was up to me, I wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> I would have one, I wouldn't have moved. I, I would have just died in the first house. And oh, then, <laughs> I mean we wouldn't have had the first house, remember? <laughs> that was me too. We would have rented. Yes. Would have been, no. <laughs> or maybe living with your parents. <laughs> The when we bought the first house, sorry, that was really loud. I remember Aaron being like, because it's unnerving to have like a yeah. mortgage for the first time. And Aaron was like, because it was the highest amount. Out, we had never paid rent that as high yeah, as our mortgage we always was lived for that real person. cheap yeah. places. So this was our mortgage was way more than any rent we had paid. And Aaron was like, looked at me and he was like, if it doesn't work out, we can always move back in with my parents. And I was like, can't there be a couple steps in between? <laughs> can't afford the house. And it's it's so funny that I was surprised to hear her say that yeah you and then i said this about the new house too and she goes you said that about the first house i was like what no because i was so i feel so like confident in our ability to pay the mortgage on our first place that i'm like i couldn't have ever felt that way and then i realized i'm like oh yeah no i totally feel that way about any time we what's that thing kirk said about expanding territory remember it was such a good line Oh yeah. Anytime you move out of the circle of known in your life, it, there's going to be anxiety and fear. Um, but the, you cross that line into the unknown and then you expand your capacity of known and your circle gets bigger. But uh, the rest of your life, it's not about 
um, crossing that line and not feeling anxiety anymore. You will oh. always feel anxiety when you cross the line into the unknown. You just get comfortable with being de- uncomfortable. And so I cross the line as I do this more and more, maybe not in that area because I haven't done that enough, but in other areas, I cross the line uh, over into the unknown. Like I'm going to have this conversation with somebody that mm-hmm. is full of conflict that I'm not sure how it's going to go. It's scary. There's anxiety. Um, but in that discomfort, I recognize, I'm starting to recognize, oh, I've felt this before and I've been okay afterwards, regardless of how it actually turned out. I'm going to be okay. It doesn't necessarily make the anxiety go away, but I have, I actually go at it with more purpose and um, strength than I. So, for example, our, I don't remember if I ever told this story on here, but we found out a person on our block, a neighbor on our block was on the registered sex offender list. And I was like, oh man, I was just so like torn up inside. Like, what do I do? How do I keep my kids safe? And we'd interacted with this person a number of times and with our kids. And so um, I knew the right answer was to go talk to him, which is like, sounds terrifying to oh, yeah. you know so but i remember when you were like okay i'll go talk to him i literally thought i'm so glad i'm not the man <laughs> i didn't want to do it I, was like, I knew and so i knew it was the right decision but i had also like reached out to a few people like and they all said the same thing and so i i was terrified but i knew it was the right thing and i was like i know i'm gonna feel awesome after this like i'm gonna feel awesome for having done something that was totally scary to do Um, But also because the thing that I'm doing is how I'm protecting my kids, you know, rather than just going, don't ever talk to that man. Like we did talk to them about uh, interact, not interacting with that person without us, but um, I knew it would be important and I knew what I was doing was important. So anyways, I did talk to him and I felt like a champ afterwards and it actually gave me a ton of peace just actually having a conversation. It went really well. It went went super well. He was low state. You didn't go in. I went in uh, curious, like, Hey, this popped up. I, I'm sure you've had conversations about this before and I'm sure it's not fun, but I, I just need to hear from straight from you what happened. And so, and yeah, no, he was, I was so proud of you. Thanks. It yeah. was so brave. And I don't so, think anybody would think it's not, you know, like sure. it would make anyone uncomfortable to think. About right. Yeah. So even, so that was an example where I realized while I was scared, I'm getting more and more comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, which is great because I'm going to be uncomfortable the rest of my life in many different situations that are going to be helpful for me. And it's interesting because on some level, I think sometimes the temptation would be to like avoid the uncomfort, like, okay, stay in the known Mm -hmm. because there's not anxiety in the known. But then the idea of like, that means you're never growing. Yes. And we're not people that are committed. Like, okay, so growth comes with this anxiety, like, low level. I think it's different for every person and whatever it's about. It's different levels of it. But like, I think growth always has to, growth is painful. I mean, it's kind of like working out. Yeah. You're going, you have to break down muscle in order to build it up. I think the same thing is true relationally, emotionally, whatever is you actually have to go through some discomfort in the growing process. And there's, I don't know that there's really solid ways around that. Like anybody who Mm -hmm. wins a trophy has, has done something you know, they may have had fun in the process. Like, honestly, there's a lot of growth that happens with me that I have fun in, but there's a lot that is hard and 
it's just, it's actually way more valuable knowing that I pushed through something difficult. Like I didn't get a trophy for um, doing my favorite thing. Like if I got a trophy for watching movies, like it wouldn't mean as much, (laughs) but the trophy that I'd get for talking to my neighbor about his, you know, registered sex offender um, status that, that would feel that I'd, I'd want to put that on my shelf, even though that'd be kind of weird to. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's interesting because I think sometimes, I mean, just my really Christianese, early 20s self, the, like, you know, the phrase we throw around, like, follow your peace. I think sometimes mm-hmm. I would equate the anxiousness or nerves that come with growth and doing these, tackling yeah, these giants as like, oh, that must not be peace, but realizing like, that's actually not like, there's a difference between it and like, right. not just shutting doors. Cause I'm like, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. doesn't mean that it's not, you know, like growth actually makes right. you feel uncomfortable. So having to even just grow in maturity with like communicating with Jesus and to differentiate between the two. You know? Yeah, Russell Brand, um, he wrote a recovery book called... You mean the comedian with the foul mouth? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's oh, the best hilarious. audible book you'll ever hear. So many F words, you just have to get used to it. Oh but gosh. it's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, and it's actually super... He just walks through the 12 steps, but puts them in his own language because he has his own recovery Is journey. Is that on our account? Yeah. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Um, anyways, he, uh, he says... People say, follow your bliss, but I think it's more, it's healthier to say, follow your blisters, because those Ooh. are what are telling you there's an area for growth available to you. So, so or something along that line. So don't listen to the Bible, listen to Russell Brand. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to you take heard out. it here first. <laughs> Jokes, people. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't say, follow your peace, at least not in uh, those terms. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Aaron would know he was on quiz bowl. He knows all kinds of quiz bowl, Bible no. quiz bowl, right? I was on the quiz team for same, same. all of one year, I think, oh. but it wasn't quote unquote cool back then. So I, is it ever cool? <laughs> hey, back then? There's lots of quizzers out there. I'm not going to say it's uncool. Oh, okay. The implication I was like, there's this tiny turning point in Christian culture. <laughs> <laughs> Where quizzing was like, like the, the meta. Cool. No, Mecca. No, I don't know what you're getting at. We don't know what at. I'm talking about. No. Who knows? Anyways, let's get off that. Okay. Um. So it was, uh, I forget a why. crazy January. We're just talking crazy. about being crazy yeah. January. So we, we changed up your business, Turpins for Toss. Oh, yeah. Wait, so then we did, yeah, in January, I quit the airport. We swapped from having long-term rentals, which just means an empty house, to, okay, let's spend a couple thousand to furnish it, and then hopefully, you know, the idea we have, but made, make more doing... 31 plus days rental. Right. Um, and then we, yeah. So right now actually we have some wind turbine technicians in there. We thought we would get like traveling nurses, but we have yeah. these two Englishmen. It's kind of cool. Um, but so that was a risk. And then with turbines for a while, we've just been toying with the idea of like, do we want to sell? What's the next chapter? And realizing like, okay, pretty plainly, like we know the next chapter would be manufacturing and realizing like, Oh, we don't actually want to be the ones to take it there. Like I think yeah. after eight years, I'm like, like turbans needs to go to high school, but I don't want to be the high school teacher. Like I did yeah. elementary school and middle school, but now I'm, so we're prepping to sell it. So we decided that um, realistically being a mom of three, my limited hours, like I couldn't do the day to day and prep to sell, which involves a lot of like emails and like financials. Oh gosh, it's a lot, it's a lot of tedious things. So we in December decided that January would be our last month running with all of our staff and in our office. So it was literally changes on every single front minus, mm-hmm no pregnancies and our marriage is the same. I mean, great. Yeah. Well, that's actually to that point. Um, we 
we went into the season knowing it was going to be really difficult or oh, late really? December. Yeah. Like yeah. I think we, like late December slash the first week of January, I, I personally fell asleep crying to Aaron, <laughs> like on my bed for a few other reasons too that we're not talking about, but like quite a few nights because it was just mm-hmm. so much change and transition that were like, were really personal. Like I said, wrestling through this, did I fail at the, the airport? Did like, now that I'm selling turbines, like knowing that it's an end to so many things and then is it going to work? Are we being dumb to do, to make invest in a new business, AKA the Airbnb in the middle of shutting down another, like it just felt so emotional and unknown and scary. So like lots of tears. And in that, like realizing like, as we were looking ahead, what was coming down our January, like our to-do list was just a mile long and knowing, I think, I think it was cool because now that we've been married for so many years, recognizing a pattern of, Oh, we've had busy seasons like this before. And when normally our typical pattern is that, we disconnect like some people's disconnect. I feel like marital disconnect looks loud and like more fights or something. Ours isn't like that. So ours is still disconnect. It's just a different type where we slowly passively disconnect from each other. Yeah. It'd be like, instead of fighting on the street, we just suddenly look back and realize that she was on one end of the street and I was on the other. We're like, how'd you get so far away? Oh, and then also to like, I should do something about that. No. (laughs) So we were like, okay, we don't want to do that. Right. How we don't do want we, to end up somewhere this time. Yeah. We, so, how can we do this season connected? I would say. Right. Was yeah. our goal, right? Yeah. 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 And I felt like we had some, what were some of our plans? Like making sure we prioritize sex. Yeah. Um, and for us, what that looked like was just being more intentional when it came to sex. Um, not necessarily in frequency, but in like when we had sex, we were, we're not just going like, oh, let's do let's just do the normal. We would set aside at least an hour of time and like intentionally connect. I mean, we played a lot of yep. games naked. Hey, or, yeah. not. <laughs> let's let's talk about all the things we did. Nope. <laughs> I was going to say like, we actually talked some of the nights too, like before just like yes. straight up talk. But so that was one piece of it. And I think too, just calling almost like calling it out beforehand. Cause Aaron's tendency, um, when we have more, I kind of probably disconnect and become autonomous and you feel lonely as I like disconnect. So like the idea of like, Oh, how watch out for loneliness and let me know so Mm -hmm. that we can, but I don't even know that you said it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't actually, I don't know that I felt it. Like I, I think I felt really connected to you in all the stuff we were doing because of our intentionality around it. We also like purposefully like, it was almost like in the past we've had running to do lists separately where we had like one yeah. and then we do them together versus like Yeah, we tried to do as much together as possible. And which, balance things out. Right. We'd meet at lunch to do the like cleaning of the Airbnbs right. or after you know, after work we'd feed the kids there and put on a movie while we were scrubbing or painting. So right. it's interesting because it is more work rather than like, okay, you go and I'll stay home. But the idea of like it's worth a little more work for to stay connected rather right. than see you in February. Totally. And I mean that's you know it's totally fine, I guess, for seasons. We just realized, eh, that's not worth it to us. Like, we'll put in a little extra work to make to end up on the other side of this, connected and accomplished. Um, I just now we know it's and we know it's possible now. So and it was like, so we moved. My, my office is twelve hundred square foot, and then the Airbnb place that we were furnishing was sixteen hundred square foot. So we literally moved two whole houses in yeah. one week because we did back to back weekends. It was nuts, but we did it. We did it. And we're and on the, I remember the weekend after everything, we had people in the Airbnb, the office was moved. Um, we had, yeah, there's like, I mean, there's still a ton of stuff to do, but 
the the big rush to get it done by the date we said we'd move out and to get the people in the Airbnb it was done and it was a Saturday afternoon I'm like oh my gosh I don't have to do anything right now like I'm <laughs> if it was so relieving it was awesome it's it's cool too I actually feel I've realized that I feel more connected to you. It's almost like, not like I'm, okay, so in our early years of marriage, I'd almost, if we were disconnected slightly, I almost would want to look for a fight. Not a fight, like not pick a fight, but like work through something hard. Because right. I know that would make us, like it was equaled connection instantly. Where with this, it's the first time I experienced us putting our efforts towards something, even if it was like busyness, I felt more connected to you than I have. And like, probably like, I feel the most mm-hmm. connected in years. Same. Probably because we did it together. And it was hard and it's been cool because I feel like this, I like look over you at different points and I'm like, man, I'm so, I'm so in love with him. And I'm so Aww. grateful that like I can respect him so much and that, you know, it's sometimes I look back at, cause I know friends didn't choose well at age early twenties when they got married and oh, I'm like, sure. I'm so glad I chose well accident. You know, like you don't even know. <laughs> know it's like, like, yeah, we thank we, you for not being crazy. We here. crossed our fingers and it happened to work out. This, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of great stuff you can do to, I don't know. There's nothing you can do to like guarantee it, but we definitely, I think the main thing though, when I was, cause I've been thinking about it more thinking about our earlier years of marriage versus like, f- like the connection and respect I feel now and like in love mm. is so different than the, like, it's so different. It's the, not something you can really describe and understand to my new, to our newlywed selves. Yeah. Unless you experience it. Yeah. But I respect you. I think it's the similar work you were saying, like getting a trophy for sitting on the couch, watching movies versus doing hard things. Yeah. Like, Oh, back then we just felt the feelings but now we have like more than a decade of what we're proud of, like what yeah. we've navigated together. And that's how I feel like, yeah, like we've built this thing together mm-hmm. rather than we just like each other. Like, yeah, yeah. We have history and yeah, no, there's a, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. But then also too, we have Audrey, like in addition to that. Oh, right. Actually, I have to give it. So our daughter has type one diabetes, which you know, and Audrey um, didn't want to be on the pump for the first year and a half. For some reason, there's an insulin, there's something called an insulin pump that it basically acts as an external mechanical pancreas and it will, it will give her the amount of insulin she needs based on her blood sugar readings. So it's hooked up to her. There's like a little needle yeah. that's in her body all times. And that, and then a continuous mo- blood sugar monitor, which is another patch that's a little needle that's in her somewhere else. And those two items, um, she did not want for the first year and a half of diabetes. She was like terrified so much so that she, cause we were the first six months she had it really trying to warm her up to the idea. And she was just getting more and more anxious. And I remember like after a few nights of her crying, like, I feel like you're going to trick me and get it without me knowing mm. we just made a commitment as a family. Like, Hey, we think this is really good. We want to work towards this. Like we think it'll help a lot, but we won't do this without you agreeing. Like we'll be on board. We won't do it without you. We won't go over your head. And she actually had a lot of peace about that and knew that like she believed us, which was great. And then, so then August, so she's had it now for a year and a half. So August of this year, whatever. Um, she had diabetes for a year and a half by the time that she just came to us one day and was like, I'm ready for the pump. And it was like, we like, we know people we've like, every time we knew someone who had a diabetes with a pump, we'd have them chat about it. And it's not like we had any of those interactions. It's right. literally like she flipped a switch. So then Aaron started working on the insurance and it ended up being so much red tape, so many phone calls. <laughs> he teased. It was like a part-time job. So Aaron, yeah. I think that's so unique about you. I feel like a lot of times, um, those kind of things can be like the woman spearheads them. And it's just frankly, my skill set is not being super detailed and rigorous, rigorous about something like that. But he made 
so many phone calls to so many offices, so many weeks in a row. I had to take all these classes. He did all of that stuff. I don't think I was on any of the classes with you. He jumped through all the hoops so that she could get that the insurance would cover the, cause it's super expensive, the pump and the continuous monitor. And we just got the pump three or four days ago. Yeah. On Friday, we drove down to UC Davis and got the, we got the it's pump like in the mail before the, nearest, the boat. Um, children's hospital is like two and a half hours. Yeah. We actually got the continuous glucose monitor, which was the first step um, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and then uh, got her hooked up to that. So we got a chance to constantly see what her blood sugars were without poking her finger, which was fantastic. Is the peace of mind of not like wondering when she's acting, you know, if you just poke, cause every time you poke it, it's pain. So it costs. So it's like, is it worth do I think something's changed? Do we think she's fine? Okay, let's not poke. Let's poke. And then so being able to have an idea of actually what her body's doing without pain, inflicting pain on her was such, such helpful information for even just peace of mind too, when she was at school, knowing where she was at versus like, is she okay? Like having it be a life threatening thing that we could have a window into seeing is, I can't explain the peace of mind. And so the next step was getting the pump and then getting trained on the pump. Um, and so on Friday, we went down to UC Davis and got trained on the pump. And um, we walked out of there, got into the car. We were planning on going, we went to Build-A-Bear afterwards. That was like <laughs> our, you know, big reward for doing something hard and scary. And um, Also, you guys, that was our first time doing Build-A-Bear. It is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Once and never again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a great experience for them, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was not going to be an experience we'll repeat (laughs) until they're old enough to go, I don't want to do that. We'll go, no, come on. You should use your money. Yeah. So anyways, we get in the van uh, after we walk out of the hospital and um, Jenna gives Audrey a little, this little protein shake thing. And um, also we're like, oh, we get a chance to do it. Instead of actually giving her a shot, we get to enter like open up her little pump and just go, uh, this is how many carbs this is. And then it'll figure out based on where her blood sugar is at and how many carbs in there based on all the ratios we input that it'll give her the right amount. It's this really complicated algorithm that is so much smarter than what we were doing for the last year and a half. I mean, we were doing it correctly for the manual portion, but for two years it was like, so we weren't, we can't take into account trends. Like there, it is really, yeah. Regression models of like the trends that are going up or going down and then giving her a decreasing the amount of insulin for the car, all the complicated stuff that is just ever know. No, totally. So Aaron, what happened? Oh, so anyways, like we gave it to her and I just, I felt a surge of happiness, like a, the literal emotion of, Ooh, I feel emotional. (laughs) it was really great just to not have to you know give her a shot and she got really used to it but still it was so relieving to know we're like a little closer to normal than we were but also this um feeling of happiness like the actual emotion flood flooded my body and I got back to my side of the car and I just threw my hands up in the air and yelled (laughs) in the hospital parking lot. Um, which is cool because, you know, there's so, so many times of us hanging out as a family and enjoying like having a really good walk and there's a sunset and the kids are enjoying themselves. And like, I'm aware at how precious this moment is and how good, but I don't feel the emotion of happiness. Um, at a high level, you still feel it. Yeah, fun. no, I'm, I'm like, I know that I'm, I'm content right now. There's, there's nowhere I'd rather be or anything I'd rather be doing, which is, uh, 
Mark Peterson's definition of happiness that I've adopted. But like the emotion, I'm like, man, it's it's kind of a bummer that I'm not feeling it because I know you do. Like I know you feel happiness flooding your body, and um, and I'm just like, I know that this is a happy spot, which is fine, but it was a totally different feeling of yeah excitement and joy and i don't i don't know what else so i i just and i also like it was contrasted by um also this guy in my small group who was sharing the same thing he had a really good moment with his son and his wife they're all playing on the floor and they're giggling and he's like i just having a hard time like i know this is really good but i don't feel anything and he this guy in particular is having a hard time connecting to his emotions so i'm like I just, I was, I connected with him in that moment going like, oh, I know what that's like, where I don't feel the happiness that I think I should. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing as playing poker with friends or, you know, something yeah. like that. But it was, it was a unique, beautiful experience for me. So it's been interesting for me. I don't think it didn't hit me the ramifications of it in that moment, but in mm-hmm. the days past, watching how much smarter it is with the dose, like the computer doing her dose based on the trends and how much it's in her blood and all these things. Like I feel the temptation actually to like, gosh, um, almost like sadness to think about the last two years, how she's lived. Like it's, it feels like a hack job of insulin (laughs) versus like how specific this, it feels like she got a pancreas back and even like, talking to some adults. Um, we had Peter Mattis uh, on, on our podcast. Recently. Yeah. You'll hear them in a couple weeks, I'm sure. And he is an adult who has diabetes and hearing him talk about what he feels like at the levels that Audrey, like Audrey has been higher than normal and like how terrible he feels. I just felt so sad that that's been her last like two years. So the idea of like, it's given us a percentage of she's been in the great range that the rest of us live in normally for, like 60% of the day, the last couple of days, like, it's, it feels like we've given it back to like her life back to her mm-hmm. on some level, like normal back to her. And then to like, even for us, just frankly, it's been freaking hard parenting it because um, the fluctuation of blood sugar isn't just mechanically like tired and dizzy and all the things people know about blood sugar, but it's actually like when she gets to a certain level that she would get to daily, it's like uncontrollable anger and rage. And it made it so hard to parent because it's like, you're like, is this hormones and blood sugar? Is this you? What do I parent? I don't want to be a crappy parent, but I don't want to parent something that's medical. And then um, it was just really confusing. It's like parenting's hard enough and it just made it really confusing. So like there's been a couple of times Aaron and I have the last couple of days, she's had things that would normally have been meltdown city and like Andre would like throw things, kick things, rip things, try to hit us, whatever. And like, She's been upset and grumpy and stomped still, but like, we're like, oh, that feels like an appropriate level reaction. Yeah. I can handle that versus like, I feel a hope actually. Yeah. Like I kind of felt like almost a bit of shame of how scared I was of her emotion, but I know that it was medical too. It wasn't just her. So like, I feel I'm like, okay, we can do this as mm-hmm. a family. Like I feel hopeful that we can parent this and help her manage normal emotions versus really high blood sugar on top of it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Gosh. So, yeah. yeah, didn't expect that. Yeah. And I, when we were um, talking to Peter and Claire um, at the end, as we were talking, chatting with Peter and Claire, after we interviewed them, he was, 
he just stopped at one point and was like, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. And I almost started crying at that point and just realized, like, dude, this is really hard. <laughs> After a while, you feel like you're supposed to be over it. Like, I've gotten used to it, and it's true on some level, but... <laughs> And then when you're faced with the reality that a friend said, like, Aaron, you got a sick kid. I was like, oh, man, that's that's really painful, like, reality. And so it's nice getting to... Like a little relief. Yeah, that's some relief. Yeah, it feels like some relief. And until there is a cure or she gets miraculously healed, there. We'll always have some level of, you know, working through it, but it was nice. It's, it's nice getting a moment of recognizing the intensity of it and being being known in it and, yeah, not being alone in it. There was, um, I put our her bl- uh, glucose monitor on, like you replace it every 10 days, and I, it took it off of one spot, and we she's like, I want to try this spot on my belly. And, and the monitor is like a two-inch plastic thing that has like a sticky adhesive and there's a needle that yeah, goes in their so, skin. And, it, and I, for that one in particular, the Dexcom G6, it's like a little, really thin little um, tube that stays in her instead of a needle versus what oh, she okay. has for her pump. But nonetheless, I put it in and she was like, it hurts, it hurts. And we couldn't get the transmitter clicked in because it hurt to push on it. And she's just starting to lose her mind and, and she's in pain. And I, man, I felt so alone in that. I was, I was like, I don't, did I do something wrong? Did we do something wrong? And I felt, I felt the familiar anger while she was starting to freak out because the anger in me I'm recognizing now is more of like a trauma response. I don't know what exactly still figuring that out, but I have a visceral reaction in my body that says, make this stop now. And so like, I felt the desire to get angry at her, but I, I'm like, she's in pain. She's scared. And, I, and then it, it's a kindness for myself in that moment. It was like, man, I'm terrified right now. And I feel super alone in it. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I called Peter. I'm so thankful for him living down the street from us and and FaceTimed him. And he was super gracious. And I was like, no, that's the right spot. You guys are good. Sometimes it's sensitive. And then I called my dad, who's type 1 diabetic, who's had this stuff on for a while. And um, it was it felt relieving knowing that they'd be there. But and attempted to do something vulnerable because I, I just need to not feel alone in it. And I just cried on the phone with him. And Isn't it interesting? I feel so, I don't know how everyone feels it, but like being vulnerable and having needs with your parents as an adult is like, it's yeah. hard. It's like yeah. a, you have to actively choose to and open I, yourself up like this. And I know that's not, that's not true for everybody, but it, like it definitely has been true for me. Like I have to be really intentional about it. It does not come natural. Um, and so it was a, it was a good moment to like, to feel known in it and to receive some like comfort in like, he's like, no, this is this. He just, he just encouraged us and then talked, talked Audrey down and you know, she was fine after a while. And he followed up the next day too. Yeah. And then, yeah, he called me the next day and said like, Hey, just want to see how you're doing. And it was super sweet. And I was really thankful for that. So 
it's crazy because it's not, this isn't like, it's not more emotional than it's ever been necessarily, but, um, honestly, sorry, go on. Just aware of it more. I feel like I actually, sounds like a funny analogy, but if you've been like slowly lifting weights and you work your way up to like being able, I don't know what a big weight is, but like 50 pounds dumbbell or something like that. And then someone swaps it out for a 15, like noticing the difference of like, Oh, I've been doing a real, I've been carrying a lot of weight and it's a little bit of a relief of having this pump be smarter. Therefore her quality of life improving and less for us made me real it. I think that's why I feel it more than I have is because it's like some relief. It almost felt like if I opened it up or thought about how hard it would be this hopeless, no end in sight kind of situation. But now I feel like it'd feel like it'd be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and I know that's true for a lot of people. Um, you know, guys in men's group who are addicted to porn or whatever they're going through that they, and they're not connected emotionally or, um, or there's things that they're aware were hard, but they don't want to go there because there's this thing in us that says like, if I, if I touch that place or go to that place, like if I start crying, I'm never going to stop because it feels like it's just overwhelming. And so endless, like I always think of it like falling into a hole that doesn't have an end. Yeah. And Laura Duncan says it's a very, it's, uh, it shows that we're in like a childlike trauma state because Mm. as children, part of the rationale of children is this is going to be forever, whatever it is, you know, Mm. like there's that David goes to the dentist, um, YouTube video of the kid who's like high from his, uh, after being at the dentist and having, being on whatever the meds are gas. And he's like, is this real life? And it's a super funny video, but one of the things he says in there is, is this going to be like this forever? And like, it's so, it's so accurate to how a child thinks. But Mm -hmm. when we get to that place where we don't want to go somewhere emotionally or visit a painful memory or just be aware of what we're actually feeling, because if we're scared that it might be forever, like it, we won't be able to get through it. So you're saying that is an example of childlike trauma. Like you, ex- yeah, you're experiencing is, some of your childhood trauma. When you have childlike rationale starting to sneak in, it's something it, that's part of your past that stays with you. Um, that until hasn't you, been worked through until okay. you work through it. Yeah. Mm. So, so it's actually worth looking at it because mm-hmm. it, it will help you process the pain. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is that there is an end regardless of how, <sighs> self-talk yeah. <laughs> i literally like remember that for the next time <laughs> yeah totally <sighs> gosh so do you emotions. want to talk about the other stuff we brought up i mean we yeah no i feel like we could end there it's, yeah it feels like I, it's funny because you know we do this it's fun knowing that someone else will listen to it eventually but it feels like so connected i feel like we just you and me had a heartfelt conversation and then remembering there's microphones <laughs> yeah i feel like my heart's a little exposed so or like in a good way it's yeah raw. yeah no same i definitely could have just i uh, probably after we turn this off let just myself cry a little bit more so that'll be our date night <laughs> this is our date yeah. bruce is watching the kids right now and we are this is our date day because Aaron twisted his ankle too. So, so we won't go on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to do this. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry. Like, thanks for hanging with us in our hiatus. And mm-hmm. it's cool. I actually don't feel I'm working through personally. My inner critic tells me that I'm irresponsible a lot. Mm. And 
Yeah. So that I don't actually feel shame about taking a hiatus. I'm like, no, is there capacity? It's okay. Right. Like the idea of getting okay with the fact that I have a limit and I should have yeah. limits and that's kinder to myself to recognize them and be okay with them. Yeah. So this is me being like, Oh, we did the best we could. That's okay. That we took a break, mm-hmm. but we're back. Yep. And we might take another break. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we like it. We'll do it as we like it. Yeah. And have totally. It. All right. Love you, babe. Love you too.